Good evening. Have you guys enjoyed this series? This has been really giving you some good things to think about, and it's kind of challenging, you know, and just kind of some really big picture ideas of, uh, of really, you know, how we can live really effectively, you know, in, in the culture that we have. And uh, the last two weeks have really been setting the stage, you know, quite a bit. So if you remember, week one, um, the big theme, so week one, uh, the big picture was God's sovereignty. God is, you know, in control of who's in control. So we can look at this crazy culture that we're in. We can, uh, we can, can, we can be confronted with growing godlessness, right? Uh, a growing post-Christian world, um, but we can still trust in God's sovereignty. Uh, last week, Ben talked to us about this whole idea of trials and how trials are designed to prepare us and deepen our faith, okay? Uh, for us to live effectively. They're, it's required course for everybody. And tonight, uh, really tonight the next couple weeks, we're going to be hitting some very specific topics uh, regarding really how we really practically do this. So um, tonight is, is our theme tonight is hope. How many people love hope? Okay, we're going to talk about hope tonight. Um, so as we do that, let's uh, read in our Bibles. We're going to read out of Daniel chapter 2, and we are going to get a, a good glimpse of the hope that Daniel has. So let's stand all together as we read God's Word, because we like to do that and give it the honor that it is due. Daniel chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 17 and read down through verse 23. It says this, Then Daniel went to his house, and what, let me set the stage a little bit just so you guys know what's going on. Earlier in chapter 2, Neb, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, this is where he had, he had his dream that was very disturbing uh, to him, and, um, and he brought his, uh, his wise men, right, his quote-unquote wise men, to him, his magicians and all that, and they couldn't tell him what his dream meant, and he was getting really upset about that, and he was having them all killed and everything. So, um, so then he, he heard about Daniel, and um, he said, hey, Daniel, you know, uh, I'm hearing things about you, and um, I would like for you to be able to interpret this dream, but if you can't, we're going to kill you too. That's kind of what's going on. So, uh, start verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who we commonly know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Now listen to this prayer that Daniel prays. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. 
To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. And this is the word of the Lord for us tonight. Let's pray together, all right? Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we can open up your word and we can find hope. Hope in who you are, hope in how you work, and hope that we can live effectively, confidently in, in you. So Lord, I just pray that you just really teach us tonight. Give me the right words to say. Give us all ears to hear. Your spirit teach us, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, grab a seat. So um, here's a truism about words. Words change. Words change. Words change a lot over time. One of my favorite movies, still one of my favorite movies from when I was like around high school uh, and older is the movie The Princess Bride. Everyone watched The Princess Bride. I love The Princess Bride. And, you know, and then you have Manti Patinkin's character, you know, is Inigo Montoya, the Spaniard, right? The sword guy. And, uh, and then you have... Um, um, you have the other, you have the little short guy that was a, that was a Sicilian that had the had the lisp and and then what and what word the little guy always say in the movie? Who remembers? Inconceivable. Every every time something happened, you'd say inconceivable. And at one point, Inigo Montoya, he looks at him. And he says, "You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means." And you know, I, I think that happens with us a lot. And so. What, I want you to think about for a minute, what are some words, I mean, you could even think back 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, however old you are, when you were younger, what are some words that mean a different thing now than what they did maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago? Anyone, anything come to mind for anybody how a word has changed, the use and the meaning of the word has changed? Gay. Used to be happy, right? Dawn, we now are gay apparel, right? Okay, that does not mean we're right. It doesn't mean what it would typically mean today. I'm not going to get myself in trouble up here, right? Uh, what any any other words that come to mind that have changed? Fun, like F-U-N, fun. What do you mean by that? Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay, so they take some words and they put a slang on it. And yeah, and that happens. And I think with today's texting culture and all that, that happens a lot. Words change a lot over time. Phrases change a lot over time. So my 19-year-old daughter, Ellie, um, you guys have probably met her. Um, she works in the cafe every Wednesday night, helps making drinks and all that sort of thing for you guys. Um, 
she really likes words. She's our, she's our resident word nerd in our house. Um, and she wants to, um, she's going to school. She wants to be a linguistics major. I mean, she really likes words. Um, she took four years of Latin in high school. I mean, who does that? Um, my daughter does that. And so I said, Ellie, what are some words that have changed? And she got all giddy excited to give me a couple words. One of her favorite words is the word applesauce. She said, yeah, back in the 1920s, it was a slang word for having discontent or frustration. Like something bad happened, you went, oh, applesauce. And she just thinks that's really funny, okay? Um, She also said pine cones used to be called pineapples until they discovered the fruit, the pineapple, and then renamed that, and they called the pine cone a pine cone now. So that's how some words have changed. Here's another one. Um, and if you were going to go into Christian world, how many people maybe grew up reading or still like to read um, a King James Version Bible? Are there any King James, King James people out there? Okay. Um, so if you open up to 1 Corinthians 13, um, they don't use the term love there. What word do they use in 1 Corinthians 13? They use the word charity. Okay. Now in our culture today, charity you know, means benevolence. It means, you know, uh, it's, it's donating money oftentimes to a nonprofit or something like that. Um, and it's really interesting. There's, there's this um, website called Christian, Research, Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry, CARM, C-A-R-M.org. Um, there's a lot of good things there, some things I don't fully like about it, um, but you know, listen to everything with discernment. But they have a couple pages on their website that talk about and list out how all of these words from the King James from 400-whatever years ago, um, 1611, how those words have completely changed meaning and that they've, they've fallen out of use over the last 400 years. This is a very common thing with language. This is why we have to get, you know, um, newer translations of Bibles. God's word doesn't change. The original text of meanings of the words change, but because our language changes, we have to be able to effectively communicate God's word in our day and age. That's why we always have some updates to Bible translations. Just a little thing on the side. But words are important. Why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because hope means something different in the Bible than what we typically mean for it today. That's why I'm talking about this. What hope means now has to do more with wishful. I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. The forecast says it can rain tomorrow. I hope it doesn't do that. Am I sure it's going to rain? No, I'm not sure. Am I sure it's not going to rain? No, I'm not sure about that either. Hope is wishful in our day and age. In Scripture, though, the word hope has more of the meaning of certainty. It means certainty. So it's not like, I hope God is in control. I hope God's going to show up and rescue us. I hope this will happen. No, 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 no. When the Bible uses the word hope, it's talking about something that is sure, and it's talking about something that is certain. So when we have hope in Christ, it is a certainty that we have. The hope that Daniel had was a certainty about who God is and how God works. You follow me? 
This is why it's really important. So when we talk about hope, and maybe this will be a fun thing as you read your Bible, when you come across the word hope in your Bible, you know, maybe you want to put a slash there and write certainty to really help drive down the point of this is not a wishful thinking thing. One one scripture we're going to look at later, you know, talks about our blessed hope of the return of Christ. Well, that's a certain fact that's going to happen, right? Yeah. It's not like, well, I sure wish he would come back someday. No, he will come back one day. That's why it's blessed. It's a blessed certainty is what it is. So, but real quick, before we start our video, what are some things regarding, you know, regarding this feeling of hopelessness that we can have, things that cause us to not feel certain, what are some things that are going on in our world that stir that up? What would you say are some things that kind of stir up a feeling of hopelessness in our world or maybe in your life? Terrorism, for sure. Because it's like, you know, you can't you stop one and another, two others spring up. Totally get it. What's something else? Changing of laws. Yeah, yeah. How, how are you supposed to keep up? How are you supposed to know what's right or wrong? How you, it's, that's, it's, it creates uncertainty, for sure. That's a good one. Disease. That's right. Yeah, disease. That creates hopelessness. You know, it, it wrecks families. It wrecks bodies. Totally. What's it? One more. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. If we can't get along, if our, le- if our elected leaders can't come to decisions on common sense things, what, where does that lead? We're, we're going to talk about that tonight, actually. I'm glad you brought that up. So, uh, so listen, one last thing before we go into our video for tonight. I want to mention real briefly on the right way to read Daniel. As we read Daniel, study Daniel, here's the right way to read Daniel. We need to keep in mind that Daniel was not written as a diary. It's not like Daniel was sitting there and, okay, well, I'm in the lion's den right now. Let me write down about what's going on. Okay? That's not how Daniel was written. We don't read Daniel like a diary. We're reading Daniel more like a memoir, more like an autobiography, more, uh, you know, more of, of, it's really, it's this older man now looking back on his life and he's telling his story and he's telling really, it's not his story, he's telling God's story in his life. So that's really important. So when we come across passages in Daniel, like the fiery furnace, like the lion's den, even just like chapter 1, you know, where, where this, you know, you know this, uh, the Babylonians are coming in, they besiege Jerusalem and take all these people captive, you don't get a sense of feeling of dread or uncertainty from Daniel as you read. Because he's just telling you what happened. And he's doing that because he has the gift of perspective and hindsight. And he's going to let us know, hey, yeah, this happened, but listen, I know the end of this story. And God is awesome. And God works this stuff out. And so it's really important you know, that we read it that way because that gives us hope. It gives us certainty when we're in the midst of hard things of our life. Hey, there are people that have gone before us that know how this all works out. You guys with me? Cool. So that's where we're going tonight. So we are going to go ahead and hit the video. Check this guy. Check this out. And I will be back in just a few minutes. All right. So we want to jump into some of these themes that were brought up. You're going to hear some of the same terms that 
uh, Larry was talking about in the video. Um, but really, the, the rest of our time tonight, get my notes straight here, um, we're going to talk about two main categories. If you have your notes, you'll see these. We're, we're going to talk about hope wreckers, and we're going to talk about hope builders. That's what we're going to talk about with our remaining time. Um, so the hope wreckers are the things that make us uncertain and the things that make us unstable. Okay? Uh, so let's identify those. One of those was talked about in the video, and this is the whole idea of feeding on garbage. Feeding on garbage. Now, I'm just saying that phrase, that sounds gross, right? So why would we want to do that? Let's not feed ourselves on garbage. The question is, what are the sources of garbage? How do we know what is garbage and what isn't? Right? Um, let me read you a passage out of 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. It says this. Um, it says, everyone... Wait, where am I? That's chapter 3. Chapter 2. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, okay, here are the sources of garbage. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. Desires of the eyes, desires of the flesh, the pride in possessions. Anything that is earthly, tangible, that we can see, that we can touch, you know, that is going to cause us to have our hearts um, prone to, to trust and hope in things that are temporal and that are fleeting and that are not eternal, those things are ultimately garbage to feed on. Okay? Now, one thing Larry said in the video that is very true is the whole idea of the media. Okay? That there is this media onslaught that we have of everything that's going wrong. And if it's not going wrong, they make stuff up to, to, so you think it's going wrong, right? Because we got bad news. We got biased news. We got fake news. Okay, we got all these negative terms for news these days. What good news is left? Well, you know what the good news left is? The good news left is the gospel, everybody. That's the good news that's left. So we can choose to look at it this way. In a world full of bad news, in a world full of biased news, in a world full of fake news, we have the true good news that I'll tell you what, people are starving for. They're starving for it. Listen, we, one reason we're doing this series before Easter is so you can, to help you sort through the mess of this world, to understand this, these big pictures of who God is, how he works, how we are to live in that, so we can communicate that to people who need the certainty, who need the hope that we have in Christ. So who you bringing? Who you talking to? Easter's around the corner. It's a few weeks away. Okay? This is to help you have certainty in living. You know, Jesus also talked about in Matthew chapter 6, he talked about how the eye is a lamp to the body. Okay? When you bring light in, your whole body is full of light. We have to be careful of what we set our eyes on. 
So it's not just what we hear, it's also what we look at. Okay? Those are, those are things that we need to be careful of regarding garbage. Because listen, what you put in you has consequences, good or bad. Not just a health thing. You could sit there and eat a bag of potato chips, or you could sit there and eat a bowl of green beans. They'll both have consequences. One tastes much better in the moment than the other. Testify. Right? But no, this, that's the reality, and the same is true for things that are spiritual, that are emotional, all those sorts of things. So, first hope wrecker is feeding on garbage. The second hope wrecker is catastrophizing. I don't even know if that's a real word. I just made it up. Catastrophizing. This is the whole cry wolf thing that he was talking about. This is, you know, oh, if this happens, things are going to be horrible. Oh, if this person gets elected. Oh, if this law passes. You know, and we put, we put so much stock into worst case scenarios. We put so much stock into worst case scenarios that we flounder and we forget. What do we forget? We mainly forget that there's a God who's in control of who's in control. Can I remind you of the prayer that Daniel prayed that we read earlier? Listen, blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding, and he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what's in the darkness, and the light dwells in him, with him. So listen, we've got to remember that God has got this. And there are certain things happening that he's allowing to have happen, and we have a brain that big, and we don't get it. But we trust in our God who is sovereign and control over all, and we trust that he's got this. And we just need to learn what we need to learn along the way and communicate, communicate the hope that we have in him to those who need to hear it. Okay? If you keep focusing on this catastrophe and the what-ifs and the worst-case scenarios, then you know what you're feeding yourself? You're feeding fear into yourself. You're feeding fear. And there is no love in fear. Why? Because perfect love casts out all fear. Listen, we think that the opposite of love is hate. But according to the Bible, the opposite of love is fear. Because love gives us security. Fear gives us insecurity. Perfect love casts out fear. Do you know that there's real studies that have, been, that have taken place? 85% of the things that we're afraid of never happen. 85%. That's like a solid B, okay? That's good, right? Um, but here's the thing. What if the 15% does happen? What, what if it does? What if you end up in the jail? What if you end up in the fiery furnace? What if you end up in the lion's den? What if that does happen? You know what that means? I can tell you this. It means God is still God. Your circumstance has no bearing on who he really is. He's still working things out, and you know what? He's still with you. 
in that jail, in that fiery furnace, in that lion's den. God is still God and he is still with you and he will get you through that. So even if the 15% happens, let's not sweat it too much. Let's not make it an ultimate thing because it's not an ultimate thing. Sound good? It's hard, but it's good. All right, the third thing he did talk about was this whole idea of spiritual myopia. I had to look up what myopia meant, right? Yes, short-sighted. You can only see like what's right here. You have no long-term view. This is when you see nothing but the bad and evil that's around you. And there's a guy named Asaph. Ever heard of Asaph before? He wrote a bunch of psalms, okay? He wrote Psalm 73. Here's what he says. He was having a bad day in the beginning of the psalm. Verses 3 through 5 in Psalm 73. This is what Asaph writes. For I was envious of the arrogance. I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Asaph was looking around saying, wait, look at all these ungodly people and they're doing well. What's going on? He had this myopia at this point in the psalm, okay? He was seeing nothing but bad and evil, but he was seeing these bad and evil people thriving. To him it seemed that way, okay? Um, so that's one part of spiritual myopia, is that you see the bad and evil around you. But the other part of it is that you see nothing but the sin within you. You just get caught up, because you know what? Listen, you know yourself. A lot better than anybody else does. You know what goes on in your brain, what goes on in your heart when no one's looking. All right? You, you, you know that. You really, you read passages like Romans chapter 7, like what's on the screen. Um, when Paul's writing, listen, I do what I don't want to do. Okay? He says, it's, <laughs> it's no, I, it's no, so now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. The Apostle Paul is writing this in our Bible. Now if Paul has the ability to say that, I think we can freely admit that our, ourselves too, right? So, so listen, but this is an issue. You know, now the glorious part of this passage when he says, who will save me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, right? So we have to get, we have to get past that. You know, we have this myopia of looking at the sin around us or the sin within us, but there is this great quote by Robert Murray Machane, who was back in the 1800s, this Scottish pastor. And he says this, for every look at self, when you just look at yourself and you get kind of depressed over the sin in you still, for every look at self, take 10 looks at Christ. Live near to Jesus and all the things will appear little to you in comparison with eternal realities. Now listen, what I want to point out here is not just the, you know, the eternal reality part. That's huge. But listen, one look at, because of our fallenness and brokenness in the world that we live in, one look at ourselves demands ten looks at Christ. Right? I mean, you think about that, how much we have to work that out of ourselves. Oh, just, 
So you know, we look back at Daniel with us, and Daniel had every reason in the world, you know, to be hopeless, you know, to see nothing but evil and godlessness around him. He had every reason to do that and to drown in that, but he didn't do that. Because what he did, he fixed his eyes on the hope and certainty that only God could provide, and that is what allowed him to thrive. This is where Hebrews chapter 12 tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Okay? All right, the next hope hope wrecker is spiritual amnesia. Um, This was also talked about in the video. Um, Amnesia is forgetting things. It's forgetting things. Fear not is mentioned over 365 times in the Bible. God doesn't want us to be afraid. Fear not. Um, You know, the call to remember, though, the call to remember comes in a close second over 350 times in Scripture to remember. The Jews were constantly called to remember their deliverance from slavery in Egypt through the Exodus. Okay? They were constantly remembered. And I don't care if it was hundreds of years past that event. The the biblical authors called them back to remember that time. Christians are constantly called to remember our deliverance from the slavery of sin through the cross. We are constantly called to remember that decades after that event happened with Christ. We look at our Bible, we look at the New Testament letters, and we're called to remember our deliverance from the slavery of sin. Their Passover became our communion. The reason we're called to remember is because we're so prone to forget. That's why. We are prone to forget God's goodness and God's faithfulness. And when we forget, it diminishes our hope. So we have to remember. As a body, we have to help each other remember. Guys, this is one reason why we're doing this series on Sunday morning of stories. Because it is us telling our stories in our church to help us remember who God is and how God works. So when we hit that hard thing, we know we can get through it. Because someone else has because of who God always is. Amen? All right. Here's, I'm going to give you a, a couple other, here's this last point um, of our, of our uh, wreckers. Um, I'm going to hit this really quick. Is this, uh, is put, putting too much faith in good things. Putting too much faith in good things. I think there's three good things that people today put too much faith in that ends up wrecking their hope. First one, it was already brought up, Charlie brought it up, I think. It was politics. Okay, politics. Politics are a good thing. Okay, they're a, they're a good thing. And, you know, we have this Democrat, De- Democratic re- Republic. We get to vote. We get to help have a say in laws for the good of everybody, right? And that's a good thing. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about how leaders are to rule. But what we need to remember is that politics, they're a good thing. They're not an ultimate thing. They are not an ultimate thing. Legislation does not change the hearts of people. Only the gospel does that. We will never legislate people into becoming Christians. That will not happen. Okay? And where the state falls short in caring for people, that is where the church steps up. That's how that relationship should work. Okay? So don't put too much faith in the good thing of politics. Also don't put too much faith in the good thing of 
bandwagons, okay? We make fun of people who jump the bandwagons, like everyone who's filling out an NCAA bracket and you've pretended you've watched college basketball the last few months, right? You're just jumping that bandwagon. It's fun. It's temporary. It's okay. But it's dangerous and destructive even when all we do is put our time, energy, resources, and hope into the next big thing. And in the church world, that could be in the next ministry event, the next program, the next holiday, okay? We can't put our hope in those things because really it's that consistent love, consistent care, consistent ministry that happens day in, day out, day by day, hour by hour, that really transforms lives. The third thing that we put our hope in that's good, that's, but also not ultimate, is people. Is people. Even our family. Listen, all people are broken. All people are broken. Elected officials, celebrities, teachers, coaches, pastors, parents, kids. Everybody's broken. And too often we put our hope in other people. But what we're doing, we're putting our hope into something that's broken. And at some point they will disappoint us. They will hurt us. And if we have too much hope in that person, suddenly our whole world is wrecked. And our view of God now is now screwed up and skewed because we've put a hope in a creation and not the creator. People are good. We're, we're image bearers of God, but we're broken. Okay? So the hope is not in a person or a relationship, but ultimately only in God. Some of you deal with frustration and insecurity because you have too much hope in people. Okay? That's just a hard reality. So, again, good things, but not ultimate things. Um, let me talk quickly about hope builders. Hope builders. And I'm going to hit these real quick, read some passages. Here we go. First one, feeding on Scripture. That is the first hope builder. Psalm 119.103. I just put my Bible up and I threw a dart at it because every verse is about the Bible, and this is the one it landed on. Verse 119, verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. If you're going to feed on anything, don't feed on garbage, feed on Scripture. Okay? Whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, praiseworthy, all of Philippians 4.8, think on those things, and you will only find those things fully and truly in the Word of God. So feed on Scripture. Secondly, remember God's faithfulness. Remember His faithfulness. Don't have amnesia, but remember on purpose and help each other do that. First Chronicles 16.12. David writes this. This is after he brought the ark into the tabernacle. And he's, in part of his song, he says, Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. Remember who God is. Remember what he's done. He's done it before. He'll do it again. He, will, he came through for them. He'll come through for you. Remember God's faithfulness. The third hope builder is fasting and filling. Fasting and filling. Ephesians 5.18 Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Listen, when we fast, 
It's not just removing something from us, removing something that's harmful to us, removing something that's distracting to us. It's not just that. Because if you fast without filling, you miss the point. You miss the point. You have to fill your body, your heart, your mind with good and godly things. And it starts with feeding on Scripture with the first hope builder we talked about. You just can't fast. You have to fill. You have to fill. The fourth hope builder is this, is the end of the story. The end of the story. Um, Do you remember our friend Asaph back in Psalm 73? He was having a bad day in the beginning of the psalm. You know, uh, one thing we need to remember about the wicked is what they have in their future. The wicked have judgment and destruction in their future. Uh, Psalm 73, verses 16, 16 and 9 through 19 says this. You know, he's, he's writing this stuff, then he gets this. He's like, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Have you ever tried to really figure something out why this person did what they did or why this bad stuff keeps happening and you just get worn down by that? That's what Asaph was feeling. When, when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Truly you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. The wicked will have their day. God is a good, just God. So whatever looks good right now, it's temporal, it's momentary, it's not eternal. They have a chance to repent. If they don't repent, they got bad news coming. We got great news coming. Because the believer has great things in our future. We look forward, the end of our story is the return of Christ. Titus 2.13, that Larry talked about earlier, that it is our blessed hope, the returning of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our blessed certainty is what it is. That is the end of the story. We can read the last page, and we know what happens. And the last thing about hope builders, I want to say is this. It's also in Psalm 73. It's our position in Christ. We remember our position in Christ. Psalm 73, 25 through 28. Asaph ends his psalm. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish, You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Asaph finally got to, he remembered who God is and who he was in him. So he was able to look past the wicked and he was saying, you know what, now because of this, I'm going to tell people. I'm going to tell people about this certain hope that I have and this awesome God that I have. So here's my questions to you. Two questions. First one is this. Which hope wrecker do you most struggle with? There's one or two of those that you really struggle with. Which one is it? 
um, strongly consider a media fast and fill yourself with God's words and stories of his faithfulness instead. But identify what that hope wrecker is. Share it with someone that you care about, someone in your C2 group, okay, and, and get some support on that. Second question, which hope builder do you need to focus on this week? Which hope builder do you need to focus on this week? When you wake up in the morning, here's what I encourage you to do. Ask the Lord to help you remember how he has been faithful to you in the past. When you wake up in the morning. When you lay down at night, thank the Lord. Have that gratitude for how he was faithful to you that day. So start your day and end your day remembering who God is, what he's done for you, how he's been faithful. Now listen, if there is anything that's going on in your life that is just really causing some uncertainty and you, and you just need some help, you need some guidance with it, please, please talk to somebody. Talk to your C group lead, C2 group leader. Talk to one of the pastors here. Come talk to me. We, will, we are here to help you and to encourage you and to pray for you. But listen, the, the power of hope is strong. And it is the one thing that will get you through a crazy world that seems to be spinning out of control. I can promise you that. But you got to feed it and you got to build into it. Sound good? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for being a faithful God. Thank you so much for proving yourself over and over that we can look back, we can look back all the way to creation. We can look back to the exodus and deliverance of your people. We can look back to Jesus. We can look back to the cross and the empty tomb and all the stories along the way of how you have always shown up, how you've always worked things out for your glory, for our good. Lord, help us to remain hopeful, to remain certain in you and us in you through faith in Jesus Christ through the power of your spirit and the gift of your word that you've given us. Help us to identify those hope wreckers in our life and to turn from them, repent from them, and the Lord to keep working the hope builders in our life, that we encourage each other with that too. We love you and we pray all this and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Love you guys. Have a great night. See you Sunday.